1: to a Labor Day edition of the Grizzden Podcast, everyone else has taken off, but the Grizzden Pod is not. And with that, I'll welcome John Kraft to the show. What's up, John?
0: Good to be here. So excited to do a little podcast, real quick.
1: Yeah, we've got some things that we've had on the list for a while, just to get to, and um, some some news, a lot of talk about hypotheticals in the future that are. Uh, broadly related to the Grizzlies, and will have definitely an impact on the fans uh, and the city as a whole. So I'm excited to get into those. But first, we have a couple of of news updates. The first is that the uh, Grizzlies signed Gigi Jackson. The second to a two-way contract. Officially, this was on August 31st. This was to be expected for sure. Uh, I don't think a, a roster spot. Uh, was ever in play, especially based on Zach Kleiman's comments right after the draft where he actually identified the range at which in the second round guys are not expecting necessarily to be guaranteed a roster spot. He said around the mid-40s is when you start to see guys getting drafted for two ways, and so uh, glad to get that officially done. And then secondly, the team signed Shaquille Harrison, um, another uh, guy who's been around the Grizzlies organization and my expectation there is that this will likely be a training camp signing. You can have m- more roster spots available until a certain date where the season uh, gets closer, and then you're supposed to cut that down to uh, 15 main roster and two two-way spots. So, John, what do you think about those two signings?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Gigi's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, despite you know showing some flashes, and I think uh, for both of us being being better than we expected, honestly. Um, I expect him to basically have a full G League year. If he, if he comes, you know, if he plays at all uh, with the main team, it would hopefully be because we've clinched a really high seed later in the year and not because we've had a bunch of injuries. So, um, so I feel like, you know, you might see similar to kind of Kenny Lofton last year kind of coming in towards the end of the year. And then with uh, Shaq Harrison, I think a lot of the speculation is with him – is we kind of gave him probably some kind of Exhibit 10 type uh, where you give him kind of a bonus for coming into training camp, uh, maybe, a, maybe a guaranteed G League roster spot. But I think the speculation is that uh, right now, if he has a good training camp, if he has a good preseason, that the Grizzlies are going to look for him to be that uh, opened roster spot in Game 6 because of the Ja Morant suspension that, uh, that after five games of the regular season – uh, we get an extra roster spot uh, until Jaw comes back, and a lot of people because he's a he's a very he's a he's a guard. He's not a pure point guard, but he can play point guard. He's very defensive. He's he's t- a typical Grizzly, and just he kind of fills up the box score with all sorts of different things. Um, that that would be that he would be the 15th man of the roster, taking Jaw's spot uh, until he comes back. It's kind of a speculation as long as he has a good training camp and stuff.
1: Yeah, this exhibit, uh, exhibit ten. Deal is a way, like you said, to get guys uh, to get guys paid, and not necessarily guarantee them anything except for that kind of one-time payday, which has been a vehicle to make certain agents happy. Uh, and also to get a further look at guys that you might consider later on in the future when you're really having to be conscious about your your costs. And the Grizzlies are certainly going to be in that position uh, here in the next few years. If you look at the Phoenix Suns, uh, they're, an, they're an example of a team that has a few huge contracts, a fourth that is uh, pretty big but not terrible, but then the rest of their guys, they're having to kind of scrap Uh, and claw their way to that 15-man roster without going too far above the luxury tax. So I'm excited to see what the Grizzlies end up doing with that extra roster spot with John Morant, for sure. Uh, Kraft, how much have you watched the Feeble World Cup so far?
0: So I've watched a pretty good... I've watched all all the games that came on around 7, 7.30. I've missed the ones that come on at 3.40 in the morning. I think even I'm not as... (laughs) <laughs> enough of an addict, addicted degenerate to watch 340 AM, uh, basketball game. Uh, but, uh, but I've watched most of them and I've been excited, uh, to see, uh, both Jaron and Santi play. Um, we, we actually have gotten to see a little bit of, uh, old Dylan too. Uh, not that, uh, you know, he's, he's moved on, but, uh, it's been interesting to watch them, uh, play and, uh, and obviously Jaron has been very exciting. I think, you know, uh, some people have been tweeting. It's It's been interesting because Jaron continues to be this polarizing. He's not polarizing as in the Grizzlies fan love him, but like kind of on Twitter and in the sort of NBA uh, Twitterverse that the casual fan being frustrated with often the box scores um, and watching him play, whereas the analytics suggest that he's the best player on on Team USA and uh, that basically the the – Team USA wins when he's on the floor, that he's the most important player, uh, despite maybe not putting up amazing box scores. So it's, so that's been very fascinating uh, for me to watch. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the U.S. experienced their first loss in the, in the game that uh, was the other morning. I definitely watched that full game. It was actually yesterday morning. We're recording on Monday here. Um, and yeah, I watched that full game. And it's kind of one of those things where they've, they've started slow in a bunch of these games and the starting lineup has been, uh, you know, it's, it's been consistent, but there's actually been a big change that Steve Kerr made taking Brandon Ingram out and putting Josh Hart in, who's more of a connector piece uh, and can rebound. And Jaron has been that anchor, but, you know, you saw, you saw a, a big shot variance game, as we noted, where they started eight for eight. Uh, and then the U.S. just couldn't catch up. And I've also seen some hero ball tendencies out of Anthony Edwards. And, yes, he's getting praise. He's getting all of that. And he's been a great alpha. I mean, the U.S. definitely needed an alpha on this team. But I can I can definitely see the blueprint for how we lose this tournament moving forward, and it's Anthony Edwards taking – you know, three or four too many shots, and us getting lethargic on the defensive end, and probably relying too much on Jaron to the point at which he has gotten in foul trouble a bit, which is to be expected. And you don't have the six fouls like in the NBA; you have the only only the five, so you have to stay conscious of that. But also, these teams have been playing together that you know that aren't the U.S. team. Right. They've been playing together for years and years and years, and so you see, I can see the continuity in the way that they move okay. the ball, and, and they can all shoot as well, and it's a smaller court. I mean, there's a bunch of different subtleties that allow the playing field to get level a lot more, um, and so the, I think the U.S., you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk. They have Italy here in the quarterfinal, which they should take care of. But then after that, you have Germany and Latvia, whatever the winner is between the two. We saw the Germany game a couple of weeks ago, how close that was. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have a team like Canada, Slovenia, and Lithuania. You know, Serbia doesn't have Nikola Jokic, uh, which which makes that team a little less intimidating. But I mean, these are eight legitimate basketball teams, and I don't think it's going to be easy for the U.S. Granted, they Qualified for the Olympics, right. and that's what they came out to do. But I certainly hope for Jaron's sake that he plays a bit better in these next few games and establishes himself as a um, you know potential starter even on the Olympic team moving forward next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been. It, I mean, it's been interesting. Kerr does this, does the like the old Ben Wallace ploy of like they always, they usually run a play for Jaron the very first uh, play of the game to give him a post touch, which he almost always gets double teamed. And he throws out of it. Every now and then he gets a play. But it's been weird because obviously Jaron is way better offensively than like a Ben Wallace. And also, he's not a Ben Wallace either. He's not a physically imposing player. He's a rim protector and, and someone who can guard out guard out in space. And so it's just been interesting the way he's used him. Um, you know, and obviously for us, we know that we like to put Jaron with a kind of uh, somebody uh, with a four that's more of a traditional power forward or a center and obviously, the the uh, team USA is going a lot small, going really small a lot, and leaving Jaron basically as the only rim protection. Which, when you have to protect the rim because guys are getting dri- driven past, like Austin Reeves got killed yesterday, uh, then he's not in a place to get rebounds. And so, so it's like it's a, it's 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 a hard thing. Um, and in some ways, maybe it's good for Jaron to get practice doing this since we've. Talked about some really small lineups the Grizzlies could uh, run out there next year with Marcus Smart, um, but all that said, you know I think the I think all the narratives I get frustrated with of the fouls and and everything else, you know the the lack of rebounding because I just think there's a lot of lot at play, and all I know is when he's on the court we win, and and honestly, you know putting him back there with JV, uh, you know and <laughs> with when they're bringing in like two big guys and Jaron has to guard sort of both of them and deal with that. Anyway, it's just, uh, but all that said, I think he's played great, but hopefully he'll play a little better and uh, stay
1: out of foul trouble. You mentioned his name. I was going to bring him up. Austin Reeves, the love is out of control. You're yeah. seeing the Laker bias all over the place. Uh, yes. Yeah. Is he been, Has he been a valuable plus minus player off the bench? Sure. He and Tyrese Halliburton's uh, play has been great. It's been stellar so far. Uh go and look at, you know, the 7 through 10 spots on each of these international rosters and tell me if you recognize anyone I and know. look at their experience. I mean, they're playing against less than G League teams right. when the benches for these other teams and yes, yeah. is Austin Reeves effective? I will grant you that, but I cannot in good conscience cheer for this this player. I really cannot get over it, John. Like it does not It does not matter if he's wearing USA on the jersey. I hate watching him play. I hate watching him flop. With I mean, he's in his element. Haven't
0: been rewarding him too much, which has been nice.
1: They haven't, but I mean, you're also he's in his element with all these Europeans who are you know have their own flopping tendencies, and I just cannot, I just cannot handle it. It's the love to. I mean, I try to, I try to just separate my fandom when I'm listening to these national podcasts, but it's just. It's insane, it's um, and I I have much more Austin Reeves hate that I'm not going to waste your time with here on the podcast. But it's it's Throughout been the season
0: we get to, we get we'll bring it.
1: Sure, it's it's just been absurd, and I want that on the record.
0: And I and I'm similar. I mean, I, obviously, uh, I love Anthony Edwards, the personality. I love the off court stuff. I think he's super fun. Um, I am still a big skeptic of him as a you know. Uh, as a big time scorer, as a guy, as an alpha, um, you know, and so, and so that kind of too, because again, like what you're saying, I mean, he scored 35 points in a loss on 28 shots. And so what I would say is he's shooting too much. Other guys should be getting touches. Um, And, you know, I don't, does he make other people better? Uh, He's obviously super talented. And so I'm not going to diss on him too much, but again, it's like, that's what gets me frustrated about pundits when it's just like, oh, look, he scored so many points. Well, how do you do it? How many shots do you get? Like, you know, how often did he take some hero ball shots that probably were not warranted, that kind of thing. So, and what does
1: it do to the rest of the team? It actually affects when you defer to a guy and a guy establishes himself and and it's clear that he knows where he is in the pecking order. Everybody else starts to change their game. And so you're not seeing these these... Uh, players that would be you know top two three on their own team they're playing like a fourth or fifth guy which you know there's a level of sacrifice that everyone needs to have to make these USA teams great and that's what makes them great but when you're seeing one guy that's clearly not taking that sacrifice and instead is taking 28 shots in a loss like you were saying I mean yes are there times when you need the bailout talent there for sure Uh, but I, I just think you're you're also getting the overhype. Like I wish there was more basketball conversation happening rather than just hype machines happening for a guy who will be good, but it hasn't – Minnesota has not proven yet that he can be the guy on a high-achieving playoff team. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, and one final note, just – I think one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier about FIBA is how these teams have played together for a long time. Whereas USA is kind of thrown it together, and that's one of the things we love about basketball, and why I talk about the culture stuff, and why we've always seen, you know, the Grizzlies is this is a several-year process of of becoming a, you know, becoming champions, hopefully, uh, and that you don't just have that overnight. And that's why I think you and I both, especially me, are very skeptical of like big-name free agents coming to a team and then all of a sudden that putting them over the line because it's just it's just hard. Uh, to jump, to throw a bunch of guys together and play at your peak level basketball and so I think that's another thing that the USA team is going to have to come against uh, with some of these teams that have been playing together since they were really little We took it all We brought them to our land An endless night Ember hot and icy cold The rage of the earth We made this curse Carved in the world on our backs we did not see we could not but she did
1: and in the end what will i become senwa saga hellblade 2 play it now with game pass yep uh so we'll we'll be watching out for those games moving ahead uh okay so next topic is the stadium funding that's happening right now uh well, I shouldn't say it's happening right now because nothing's happened yet. And it's a big debate. If you've been following along in local news, uh, there has been $350 million passed for the 2024 budget, specifically for Memphis Stadium funding. And uh, when I looked back at the actual Tennessee budget and all the different releases, they do list the Simmons Bank Stadium, which is the Liberty Bowl, and they mention FedEx Forum. And just to put in perspective, the, yes, $350 million in cold, hard cash from the state. The overall budget for the year 2024 is $56.2 billion. So, yes, does that seem high? I've seen a lot of people saying, why are we allocating this much to stadiums anyway when you have so many other issues going on in the city and the state and things like that? Well. Let's put it in perspective what this amount is in the overall budget. There's $3.3 billion that's been bookmarked for fixing roads, for example. So like those things are taken care of. Um, But the debate right now that we're having is how to split up the pie, so to speak, and Uh, the University of Memphis has been very vocal in the past couple of weeks the president and AD came out had a press conference uh, amid all the different conference realignment um, and this season that just kicked off this past weekend saying that you know we need to get this done like this is something that's basically a requirement if we ever want to be in contention for a power five conference and that's a separate conversation that we could have which is What's going to happen to college football at large, even within the quote unquote power five? Because I don't think you could even say it's a power five anymore. It's more like a power three and a half. Uh, and then, Past that, the Grizzlies have not necessarily been disclosing what they're asking for. You haven't seen a lot of press. Uh, Jim Strickland, who's the current mayor, is set to leave office at the end of this year, and there's going to be a new mayor elected on October 5th who would take office January 1st, and so there's a political element to this. Um, and so there's, all these sides are posturing right now. And amidst all of it, it's important to, to note that the Grizzlies— if they were if we were to look at the the most recent stadium renovation that would be comparable to the Grizzlies, it happened in Indianapolis with the Pacers. It was a, a little over four hundred billion dollars million dollars that it took to to fully renovate and bring everything up to speed. You know, FedEx Forum has had small renovations in the past few years, but nothing that they would actually need to quote-unquote keep up, in my opinion. Um, so if you want to account for inflation, different things like that, we're looking at between 450 to $500 million probably when it's all said and done. Um, there are a couple other funding mechanisms like sales tax rebates, uh, rental car rebates, which you know we won't bore the audience with. But basically, right. you can only predict so much what that funding will be. It looks like it could be a couple hundred billion dollars. And so anyway... There's just this debate that's going on right now, and, John, I, we've been talking about it a bunch over text, but I'll just relay my thoughts to you here, and then you can tell me what you think about it. I just think that the Grizzlies are are the draw when it comes to sports in in, in the city. Uh, there, Years and years ago, there was a potential to have an NFL team here. We have one now in Nashville, and they're about to undergo their own, uh, you know, Billion dollar renovation or so, which took about 500 million in cash from the from the state of Tennessee. Uh, they also have their own funding mechanisms they're working with as well, and they also have some private money that's coming through uh, from the owners and other groups like that. And so, in my opinion, FedEx Forum should be number one on that priority list. And yes, the lease itself, right now as it currently stands, was renegotiated last year and runs through the 28-29 season. Uh, Past that, there have been no conversations about the Grizzlies being here. And and that's not too far away. Uh, 2029, you know, only six seasons from now. Think about how much I can vividly remember six seasons, six seasons ago here um, at the end of the grit grind era. So it's not that crazy. Um, to start talking about it right now. And one of the very first things you can do to show that you are committed to an organization and want them here is to give them what they need in order to just bring their arena up to average. And that's where I think we are. The FedEx Forum right now is an old building. We saw a Drake concert recently that got canceled. And the rumor around that was that it's because the arena couldn't handle what they needed for to even have this production for one concert. And so in my opinion it is the university of memphis i i love that they uh, that we have a university here and that there's committed fans but we have to be honest with ourselves where are the grizzlies in the pecking order you know as it relates to memphis football not to mention memphis basketball plays in the fedex forum hello like where would the city and the university of memphis supporters rank basketball and football in their own university i would say that most of them would rank basketball first i just think this this You're playing with fire, and I would hate for something like this where we're trying to make everyone happy in a place where we should have at least one – we should have a defined top dog in the city, which is the Grizzlies, and do what they need to do to to keep them and make them happy, and then you move on, and everybody benefits from from an upgraded FedEx Forum. I don't know how many people benefit from an upgraded Simmons Bank Stadium. So I just rambled a lot there, John. What are your thoughts on the matter?
0: No, I mean – I'll, I'll be even stronger. I mean, uh, you know, I'm uh, – and, and I'm someone who probably – I would say Memphis College Football is probably, you know, one or two in my sort of college football fandom. Uh, you know, I obviously have huge ties to Memphis. I care a lot about the University of Memphis. Uh, my dad teaches there. Uh, my parents graduated from there. Uh, and, and yet uh, I just – I'm utterly frustrated by it. Because um, we're talking about like the University of Memphis is not going to leave Memphis. <laughs> the football team is going to continue to play college football here. And I don't think you know, and I'm I don't think the Grizzlies want to leave Memphis. Uh, you know, and and, and and I think the NBA is going to expand in the next few years at the the places that would want an NBA team. But I don't know why you would upset the Grizzlies in any way uh, for you know, and I mean I'm going to be honest, a mid-major college football program. I mean that's what. Uh, The Memphis is, and and you know what? We might get into a conference, but if we get into a con, if Memphis gets into a conference and into a quote power, you know, whatever. I think it's a power two right now, and then everybody else. But if we get into a conference, it's going to be a conference that's just been blown up, and you know, this is where Memphis is, and and I don't know if we can ever change anything about it. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a mid-major football program. We're a high major basketball program. Guess where they play. They play in the FedEx Forum. Uh, We we have the Grizzlies, um, which, like I agree, are the best. You know how – and and I can even say that. There are more season ticket holders for the Memphis Grizzlies than there are season ticket holders for the Memphis Tigers football team. They play in a 60,000-seat stadium. The Grizzlies play in an 18,000-seat stadium. And the Grizzlies have more season ticket holders. Uh, Like – the fact that the mayor is even considering giving $200 million to update the Liberty bowl when it is used 10 to 15 times a year. And like, you know, we just played Bethune you a cookman 20, like 8,000 were announced as there. You everybody knows that they did not have 28,000 people there. And, and it's just, I could just see this being having this really nice new stadium uh, that's renovated for like 10 times a year. And even then, you know, I, I understand the fairgrounds and what's going on there, but but it's it does not then bleed. It bleeds a little into Cooper Young, maybe around game time. But again, that's only 10 games. Think about FedEx Forum. Think about 41 home games, preseason games, playoff games. Think about the Memphis Tigers, 20 to 30 home games. Think of all the concerts. Think of the fact that it's on Beale Street, that, that people go to the stadium and then flood into all the downtown businesses. Like, to me, it's not even close. Um... Like, when I would rank what's important to Memphis, I would rank the Grizzlies, I would rank the Memphis Tigers basketball, and I would rank uh, concerts and musical entertainment before I would, you know, rank the Memphis football team. And, and they're just such a small minority of people that are super into Memphis football, and I was super excited. But guess what? When Memphis football came, I mean, when game day came in the best year of Memphis football history, where, where was game day? <laughs> it was, game day was on Beale Street. Why? Because Beale Street is where everything is in Memphis. And that's why the FedEx Forum should just take major precedent. It's like very frustrating uh, that this is even a conversation. And, and it does make me nervous because our mayor is a big Memphis uh, booster, big Memphis University of Memphis guy. I do feel like he wants some kind of legacy thing here. But it, is, it just makes me nervous that we don't give the Grizzlies whatever they need. And then we give the leftover money to Memphis football. And if that's not enough to do Liberty Bowl, well, then go out and raise money from this, you know, from the city, from all your fans that claim we really need this, you know, like, show if Memphis cares that much. I I know, just talking to people, and this obviously anecdotally, but I just, seeing it all over the place, I just think Memphis football is is third on the list of what people care about in the city, and I think it'll show that, so, anyway. It's frustrating to me. I'm I'm very, I'm not nervous, like, I'm not in, like, Def Con 1 mode about it, but it makes me very nervous if we don't just give the Grizzlies... What they want? Because why upset such a good thing? I just don't understand it, um, and I'm I am too. I want I want better concerts here in Memphis as well. So, anyway,
1: hundred percent. I mean, it's it's totally different from any other situation, uh, where you know maybe Portland is one of the only comps, and you know I'm sh- I haven't looked into exactly what their status is on their stadium, but my guess. Is that the city would would prioritize the Portland Trailblazers over you know whatever the Portland Timbers, the MLS, like they they would be they would be treated fairly, and we need to do the same thing here. Uh, also, just to mention before we get to our last topic, this did not need to be this complicated. Uh, the proposal to the state tied all of the Memphis arenas together on one item. They could have just as easily submitted them completely separately and had different arguments to the state with different timelines. And for some reason they decided that this was the best way to do it, knowing that on the back end, they were gonna have to divide everything out. And yes, the Grizzlies have a billionaire owner. They apparently took a little bit longer to put in their proposal for exactly what it would cost. But at the same time, you have to understand what the Grizzlies mean to the city, what FedEx Forum and Downtown mean to the city, and it's undeniable when you when you look at it objectively and I, I don't know right now if I would rather uh, the new mayor, you know, inherit this or have part of the deal done where, you know, the University of Memphis is the one banging the table, saying that they need to have the funds in order to get started, you know, in January or February, they need to have them now. And so if if that gets done and then it's kind of whatever's left over for the Grizzlies to sort out, I just get, I just get nervous that all of a sudden the leverage is now with the Grizzlies rather than the city, especially after this renegotiated lease happened last year where the Grizzlies and the city seem to be working so well together um on on a, an agreement that would you know keep the grizzlies here for another 6 years with you know certain fixed payments to the grizzlies instead of having this clause that would have allowed the grizzlies to just leave if the if the city didn't make up for the season ticket uh shortage and so there's a lot at play here uh, as we try to briefly go over but the point i think you have the audience has, has taken away is this needs to get Get done for the Grizzlies. If not, it just leaves open all, all sorts of risk. And it's a risk not worth taking. I think we're going to look back in a couple of years and just laugh when we see how college football uh, continues to move in a direction that who knows who's going to get left behind. I mean, you're seeing major, major schools that, like, you know, Stanford and others um, that, you know, Stanford might've just joined the ACC, but just others like Oregon state and, and just bigger schools at Memphis is my point that are going to also get left out in the cold that have a lot more money and a lot more private funding. And it's just kind of the nature of the beast. You have to look at the external market factors when you're looking at this whole thing. So I think we've probably gone long enough on this unless you have more.
0: No, I just, I mean, I just putting any bank, I mean, guess what the NBA, I, the NBA is going to be here for the next 30, 40 years. I don't even know what the NCAA and college sports are going to look like the next 20, 30 years, putting $200 million into an old building when, honestly, half Memphis faithful want a on-campus stadium that's newer anyway. So with that, I just, yeah. I know we've talked enough about it, but
1: yeah. it's frustrating. All right, we have about four or five minutes here yeah. left. John, what is going on in the media landscape?
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously, you know, if we – uh, if we ever need to fill time, we can talk forever on the media stuff because I know you and I find it super fascinating. But for me, the the real quick sort of thing and why I think our Grizzden listeners will care about it is because I know y'all like to watch the Grizzlies and there's two kind of big sources of revenue for the team. Uh, one of them is the national TV package that is being negotiated right now, which hope you know which will probably be announced in the next year year and a half. And I think as we see the Grizzlies, I think being better and better, and we expect them to be really good for the next four to six years and be a big draw, I think we're going to get, you know, 10 to 20 national TV games every year. And so it matters where, you know, what, what kind of packages, what things, what subscriptions do we have to get to watch that. And that goes to all the teams. And then locally, you know, in the past, we've had a local carrier, an RSN, Regional Sports Network, like Bally, that shows the local games that aren't on national TV coverage. And they pay just the Memphis Grizzlies themselves. And so one of the so one of the things that's crazy about going on media right now is, one, the national TV package is very much up for grabs. In, in a time when, you know, if you notice the, the strikes going on at the studios, Disney, which owns ESPN, really struggling being – Amazon and and Apple being rumored to think about buying it. Like, there's just all sorts of chaos. You probably noticed with college football this weekend how, like, there's just a lot of movement, a lot of places and different things. You're having to figure out where everything is on streaming. You got Big Ten games on Peacock now. It's like, it's kind of a crazy landscape. And so that's coming for for the NBA. And obviously we want a big package because we want our salary cap to be high because we're paying all some really good players. But then locally, uh, we've been discussing a lot with the Bally and the fact that Bally is going bankrupt, that it looks like they're not going to last. Uh, but uh, there was an athletic article recently that said that Bali, that, that the NBA is expecting Bally to at least make it this year. And so it looks like that the, at least the local games that aren't on national TV will be on Bally uh, again. And so Bally offers you know, through the cable packages for those extra sports packages or direct-to-consumer And it looks like that's the case. I think that what you saw in baseball this year was that Bally not be able to make certain payments and drop teams. I don't expect the Grizzlies with being a draw, John Morant, with honestly our geographical footprint, which is really a lot of Mississippi, a lot of Arkansas, a lot of Alabama, a lot of Tennessee. uh, I don't think Bally would want to get rid of us because we're going to be good. Um, And I think obviously Memphis fans, one of the reasons we have an NBA team is we're really into basketball. I just feel like, they would drop a New Orleans, Orlando, Charlotte, maybe a couple other teams before us. So it does look like we're going to be on Bali for at least a year. But it, it does bring in interesting questions for what is the future because if, if it's direct, you know, is the team going to take control of it? Is Are a bunch of small market teams going to come together and come up with some package? Like there's just a lot of really interesting scenarios because the NBA's always uh, left it up to teams with revenue. And obviously, you know, the Grizzlies have always been a small market team with small revenue. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But the initial news is it does look like it'll be on Bali this year. So if you're a Grizzlies fan, it looks like uh, you might have to, uh, if you have cut the cord, get that direct uh, to that DTC Bally app and pay whatever. I think it was $20 a month or something like that. But anyway, so what, you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think... In that same article, it said the NBA is prepared to take over production for this season if something were to go sideways with Bally. Or I would more expect them to just float whatever it would take to the Bally network in order to just, you know, take it through the end of the season. It did that last year as well. Uh, while it's figuring all this out. And it is interesting. I I wasn't aware. Back when we talked about this story, I feel like it was in May or April, um, and at that point in time, we didn't realize, or at least I didn't realize, that you could actually... They could, you know, individually select the teams that they want to default on, and so that makes it even more interesting. More layers here to see which teams the. Uh, it it could honestly reveal value in a lot of ways to see which teams they decide to drop or not. And I know that there's a lot more factors than just the quality of the team that would right. that would contribute to a decision like that. But the point seems to be that you know my grind city media uh theory will probably wait for the 24-25 season and it would be a kind of a quick turnaround were they to have to to put that together in the next month and a half not to say that they haven't been working on it already we saw an example of it in summer league when they were streaming on the app and it seemed like the quality was fine enough um from what i saw and they've
0: been pushing a new app for this season so that's knows, right that, yep. you know i've seen those emails as well
1: um so yeah all that to say you know, we'll be keeping close tabs on it, but Bally is here for this coming season and that's where you'll, you'll have to deal with it and the low production value that Bally sports is for yet another year, which is frustrating because I, I, uh, I did not like that app at all, uh, but it's, it kind of is what it is and we'll see how long the cable bundle at large even lasts that there's yeah. an existential question going on with that as well right. as ESPN decides, yeah. uh, what what they want to charge in terms of carriage fees? Yeah, so. and,
0: and as we're recording, um, you know, there's a the, there's a the big news out of because ESPN's law had 100 million customers down to 70, so they've lost 30 million worth of monthly subscribers these last few years, and then 25% of that, 20 to 25% of that are charter customers, and, and Charter is now in this really uh, war with ESPN, not showing now with football starting, not showing ESPN. Uh, making all sorts of crazy claims about wanting Disney Plus for free and all this stuff. But all that said is there's just a lot going on uh, in the streaming world. And so who knows? Um, You know, it looks like everything's going to be normal this year, but it looks like that any kind of direct-to-consumer ESPN product that would have the Grizzlies on it would wait uh, for probably another year as well. So it looks like, you know, so basically it's just a lot of speculation, but it looks like it's going to be mostly status quo for this year in the NBA. But... It's, I think it's going to be really crazy. Um, uh, this time next year, we're going to have to be explaining to everybody how to find Grizzlies games because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of changes. So.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad we did this. I uh, know that we had some kind of wide-ranging topics, but there still is a lot going on despite the dead period, and uh, hopefully in the next – we know that in a few weeks we'll have a special episode – coming your way but then after that we're going to be in the in the last last few weeks before the season kip, kicks off and we'll have preseason games you know we'll have our traditional podcasts coming your way uh, all of our predictions for the season will come on those and i'm really looking forward to that as the uh, rosters are finalized and we get into training camp here later this month so craft thanks for joining me on this labor day shout out to uh, grisden listeners at large we have some fun other news to announce on our next podcast as well and we we can't wait for this season um, and we will talk to you very soon